different perspective on today's most important topics and trends. It's Mindfully Speaking with Harry Wilkinson. Yes, welcome to Mindfully Speaking. I am Harry Wilkinson. And, uh, well, let me ask you, um, have you ever felt bombarded by all the news and stories and all the media platforms that just seem to keep proliferating. All the information that's just being spun in one direction or another and screamed at you <laughs> over these uh, media platforms. That's what this show is about because I know that stresses me out and uh, I know it stresses a lot of people out. And this show is about taking that uh, that step backward and taking a mindful spin. I mean, if they're going to spin the news one way or another way, we can spin it ourselves in a mindful way. And uh, that's what this show is all about. Now, of course, lately, we've literally been being bombarded by only one news story right, that has dominated mainstream media and even, um, you know, even the, uh, uh, you know, uh, social media and other platforms. One story, Ukraine. Because that's all that's happening in the world. And believe me, I understand it's an important story. And we're going to talk about it. But part of the problem, in the larger sense that I talk about on this show, is the obsessiveness upon which a lot of the media coverage, particularly the cable 24-7 news cycle, does when they get a hold of stories like this. That is their favorite thing to do. That's what they built themselves upon. Going back to the first Iraq war, when uh, the 24-7 news channels were just getting up and running, the Iraq war was a... Uh, uh, a boon for them because they could cover it in a way that wars had not been covered before or anything had been covered before 24-7 the problem is that as important a story as that is that was the only story <laughs> that they covered for weeks until luckily it was a, a short-lived war and then shortly after that it was OJ and the OJ trial and everything was OJ nothing else happened in the world uh, so they live for these kinds of stories that they can focus on obsessively that people uh, well they hope people get addicted to and just uh, uh, you know, grab onto and just need to to see more and more of. 
unfortunately, the problem that happens with that, as intriguing as it may be to 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 some, it starts to drain you, exhaust you, and you start to, as far as the coverage is concerned, you start to uh, uh, get things start to get very repetitive. Um, oftentimes, there's no real answers yet, so the, it just keeps repeating itself, uh, and it be, and it can become frustrating because nothing else is being covered. Nothing else is being covered. So, to start out today, before we get into uh, our big topic, which is the world stage and uh, Ukraine, I just so that you know, some of the things that uh, happened that you might not have heard about because they didn't get covered very well. So, uh, one important thing that happened is that Congress came together to decide that we are no longer going to have time changes, that daylight savings time is now going to be permanent. They agreed to that. This fractured uh, uh, Congress that has trouble agreeing on anything, agreed on that. Okay. I'll bet you didn't hear about it anywhere. Okay, <laughs> I'll bet you just didn't hear about it anywhere. And we're still not hearing about it. There's no information about when does this start? Is, is it going to start in a year or two? Is it going to start Is this as of now, immediately? I don't know. <laughs> I'm searching to find more information on that, and I can't. All right, uh, that's just one thing, one example. Um, here's another. There's a new strain of COVID. Uh, I believe it's called BA2 variant. That's uh, causing COVID cases to rise in the UK. And uh, most likely it's here. Uh, and it's more infectious, but doesn't seem to be causing uh, hospitalizations. Um, so it's, I guess it's not a big enough story uh, anymore <laughs> because there's, uh, you know, uh, not enough apocalyptic vision in it? I don't know. I don't know. But you probably didn't hear about that either. But yes, COVID is still here. And cases are rising. And they're probably going to rise some more. Um, but from what I can gather, uh, hospitalizations are down. So it may be uh, more infectious, but less uh, less deadly. Uh, here's another S the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, is expected uh, on Monday, March 21st which is tomorrow from the, the day I'm recording this that they're going to require uh, 
companies to disclose their greenhouse gas emissions and the risks they pose to the climate and the risks to their business from climate change. I mean, th th this is huge. <laughs> it's an historic change. Uh, making companies more uh, uh, responsible for their greenhouse gas emissions. So those are just some of the things. Oh, uh, another another piece of news you might want to know about is that both of our planet's poles experience extreme heat. And uh, the heat in Antarctica broke, re broke records. Parts of Antarctica were more than 70 degrees warmer than average. You know, that's where all the, uh, the glaciers live. Yeah. Arctic saw, the Arctic saw temperatures that were more than 50 degrees warmer than average. But we're not hearing about any of that. Because the only story that we're getting is Ukraine. And believe me, I'm not saying it's not an important story. Of course it is. We know it is. But when it's eclipsing other important information that we need to, to get, you know, the media is not, uh, not only, uh, you know, uh, doing a disservice, it's dropping the ball on what their job is. And another problem uh, with the constant uh, monitoring of the situation in Ukraine is that what gets shown are the obviously the most dramatic and the most horrible images that are there. And it paints a picture that it, is not always accurate about what's actually going on in the entire country. Ukraine's a very big country. The satellites that they use uh, can take a picture of a particular place only once a day. And the higher resolution of the satellite, the less area on the ground it can image. Uh, there's also the possibility of deep fake videos. Uh, apparently, this past week, a deep fake video showed Ukraine President uh, Volodymyr Zelensky calling on soldiers to lay down their weapons. Uh, it wasn't real. <laughs> Heavily manipulated and not very well done. Uh, 
Images can be stolen and relabeled. And we're only seeing a handful of uh, the pictures uh, that are out there of what uh, is happening in Ukraine. Uh, and we're seeing a very small part of the picture. So depending on what you're seeing, whether you're seeing, uh, you know, Russian tanks being destroyed, um, or whether you're seeing uh, <clears throat> soldiers uh, marching into Ukrainian villages, <clears throat> it's a lot more complicated than, than just what's going on in social media. But because war is, by its very nature, chaotic, uh, it can't really give you the full picture of what's going on there. There are places in Ukraine that are not affected by war, at least not yet. Most of the action, if you will, has been taking place on the east, the eastern part of Ukraine, and uh, the capital, Kiev, in the center. But for all the coverage that is being given, very little actual information, very little knowledge of, of what's actually happening, how far the Russians are getting, how far the Ukrainians are, are, are pushing back. It's really hard to see. That's why it can be a self-feeding sort of machine, because people keep looking to see you know, what's happening, and they, they can't get the full picture, so they just keep, keep going back to it. But let's take our step back and look at the world stage upon which this is playing out. You know, this appears to be a manifestation of a larger battle that is a, a world battle, and you think you can think about that as World War III in a way, uh, that we've spoken about on this show uh, several times about the conflict, the uh, the uh, discontent, the um, authoritarian impulse that has been spreading in, in throughout uh, countries in Europe. Uh, I believe in the last show is the show we discussed about how uh, democratic countries are becoming less democratic. We're seeing a, 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 a decrease in that and we're seeing an increase in authoritarian or autocratic leadership 
Uh, we're seeing that even in, uh, or we have been seeing that even in this country. So this war in Ukraine and Russia is kind of a manifestation of that. A, a, um, uh, I don't want to say a microcosm uh, because it's it, it's part of the macrocosm, but uh, it is a kind of an extension of 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 these two energies that are coming head to head and have been for a while. And on the last show, I think we talked about authoritarian impulses arising when there are times of uh, uncertainty and confusion. And that's kind of where this is coming from. I mean, uh, there's uncertainty in the world due to a lot of different factors you know the environment is one uh, the global economy that we have now is another uh, where changes are happening technology is increasing uh, disparities people who used to have you know relatively high paying jobs and being in demand no longer are because technology uh, is taking over. All of these things have led to a sense of instability in the world, which is why I believe uh, we're seeing this rise. And it comes out of fear. It comes out of fear of, uh, you know, uh, foreigners taking coming into the country and taking over. I mean, you see that here in this country, this fear of immigration. Um, you see a lot of um, anger on the right and anger from uh, uh, white uh, nationalist groups who feel they're being displaced. So all of those kind of seed the ground for a sprouting of authoritarian impulses. And what this, uh, what we're seeing Ukraine do, the resistance And the support of that resistance from so many countries tells a different story. It tells a story of democracy and a democratic impulse fighting to survive. And ready, able, and willing to fight for itself. And that's inspiring, I have to admit. It's a very inspiring story.
And that's kind of what we're seeing play out. Now, as I always mention on this show and in my previous show, when we have these sort of events that galvanize people worldwide where everybody's attention is on them, uh, these events are things that we have created uh, not on the mundane level, but at the highest level of our beings. They've been created for us to re-experience once again, re-understand ourselves and how connected we really are. And this is no different. When we have seen Ukrainians uh, on the move, leaving their homes, going across the border to other countries, uh, fleeing their country. And there's a lot of solidarity around that. There's a lot of uh, sympathy and connectedness as we watch that happen, as we, we watch them become refugees. Why? Because we're connected to them people feel like hey that could be me or that's like people I know unfortunately uh, our media representatives uh, have often particularly when they were covering the beginning of this have said some rather horrifying things um, uh, that kind of illustrate the view of this you know uh, I've heard them say oh these people look, we're not used to seeing uh, this happen in civilized countries usually you only see this happen in in uh, Middle Eastern or African countries right um, we're we're not used to seeing people just like us go through this you know horrifying just but very illuminating at the same time just showing how uh you know uh marginalized black and brown people are you know this is what black and brown people are supposed to do not white folks not clean white European folks aren't supposed to go through this. Uh, and it really <laughs> illuminated that attitude. And um, many were not shy in pointing that out, uh, in particularly in uh, late night uh, uh, news shows and parodies and things of that nature, uh, but also on uh, NPR-type talk shows and things like that. So hopefully that rings uh, an alarm bell uh, among journalists that, hey, uh, excuse me, maybe you need to change how you look at things. So uh, there is that, but 
it does remind us of our oneness. And of course, one of the things we can do for ourselves, if this is a story that um, gets under your skin or pushes your buttons, is to recognize the purpose of, of, of what this is for, for us on a higher level. It's uncomfortable and difficult and all of those emotions that, that, that come up. It's important to experience them. It's important to feel them and to understand that they will rise and they will fall as everything else in the temporal world does, even this war. And another good visualization is to see this as uh, perhaps a, a, a virtual reality scenario that isn't real. And that underneath that, I know it's kind of matrixy, but underneath that is the truth of who we are, our oneness, all of that lying underneath this kind of explosion of uh, unreality that feels terrifying but underneath all those who are sacrificing to make this experience one of reconnection, one of connectedness. Those spirits have done so, have chosen to do that for this reason. And again, I'm talking about the higher level of us. I'm not talking about, you know, the mundane level of us. Nobody is saying that uh, these people are choosing to to die or that they're choosing to go to war because they want to it's um, a higher level than that and so we see this and we understand and we can rally around them but what about Russia we can f we can feel for the Russian people who are being uh, thrust into a war that is not one from what I understand that most support but there are uh, quite a few that do support it but there are those that don't and uh, they have 
a deep connection to the Ukrainian people and feel for them. And then there's Putin. So much uh, energy and time is being put into you know what's Putin's motive for this? What's what's Putin's end game? What does he want? And there are comparisons, of course, to uh, you know Khrushchev and you know Soviet leaders and uh, even Hitler. Uh, you know, is he planning for world domination and all of these things? And I think that that's a wrong way to look at it or to look for answers that way in um, a logical framework, like what is his game plan? Um, what is his battle plan? Uh, like he's a chess player. And I don't think that's what this is. Honestly, I don't think that's what this is. This is a sort of a dark side of connectedness. Putin feels, with all his heart apparently, that Ukraine is part of Russia. Ukraine should never have been let go. And watching Ukraine become its own independent entity has infuriated him. And he wants it back. And if he can't have it back, no one can have it. So he's less authoritarian leader and more obsessive, compulsive violent ex-boyfriend right so don't think Khrushchev or Hitler think OJ right I mean that's what this is that's this obsession with this country so deeply felt And he's so hurt and threatened and scared of being left behind that he will do whatever he can to hold on to what he feels he's losing. So as always, when we look at these larger uh, extensions of ourselves, we can see these issues inside of ourselves.
in a couple of ways. Because we have both parts of these impulses in ourselves. So we can think about what do we want to be free of? What oppressive situations, thoughts, ideas, maybe our own mindset, do we want to be rid of, escape from, disconnect from? Could be oppressive thoughts about self-esteem or uh, job abilities, uh, family life, whatever it is in ourselves where we feel less than free. It's good to look at that. What is it we want to be disconnected from? What, do, what is it we need to let go of? And then, oh, and also to personify that, who in your life, who or what, what things in your life represent that, represent that desire for independence? And who or what? in your life, including yourself, feels like an oppressor. And you can just visualize those things in front of you. Then think about the part of yourself that doesn't want to let go. What are the things you are scared to let go of? What are the things that you fear losing? And how do you think that losing is going to hurt you? And why? Does it push you to do things? Or does it? You can think about that. And again, personify it. You know, what people, what things, what places represent that for you. Because war on the outside, war on the outer, always means there's war on the inner as well. And you can look at that from a global perspective, from a, an individual nation perspective, but you can also look at that in yourself and see how that is reflected back from the conflict that is going on now that we're all galvanized by.
right? Because we all have those impulses. We all have those things and those people that we're afraid to let go of or that we insist have to be a certain way. And seeing this conflict can give us perspective on our own inner conflict and how do we support ourselves in breaking away from those other parts of ourselves that have expressed themselves in uh, oppression and uh, domination. And just to become more aware of, of those things that are playing out in the world and on the world stage, but also in your life. Right? There's that mac, mac, macrocosm, microcosm thing. The, the world stage is the mac, macro and the inner stage is the micro. So it's a good opportunity. It's a good chance to go into that part of yourself and to explore that. And that's a way to refresh ourselves to become more connected to the truth of who and what we are and to expand And that is something that can override any and all of the annoyances and button pushing and everything else that uh, appears in the outer, especially through our, our fine media and their coverage or lack thereof. It gives us a chance to delve deeper if you want to take it and if you want to think about it that way. So... Until next time, when we meet again, hopefully in a more peaceful world with less loud clanging and booming and blowing up of things, we'll talk again. Thanks so much for listening.